We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, Jesse, ready for rapid fire? I am ready for rapid fire, but uh, I just got to give a little um, disclaimer. I was looking through the emails. I don't think I received it, so it's going to be extra rapid today. I'm, I'm you on didn't my get toes. the email? You didn't? No. You sure about that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure about it. Pretty sure, huh? All right. Well. Keep me on my toes. I think you'll be able to adjust. I'll shoot from the hip. Ah, ah. I think you'll have plenty that you'll be able to go with. And look, this is this is another loaded rapid fire. And that's kind of no, see, I knew I knew someone was gonna say it. DK says too early. Trust me, DK. We're gonna be here for a while. Like rapid fire is starting, but it's not gonna be a rapid ending. Like we're gonna be here for a while with rapid fire because we got a lot to talk about, <laughs> starting with Mike Brown, the Wisconsin assistant head coach and wide receivers coach reportedly will be Notre Dame's next wide receivers coach. Not a done deal, but it's trending in that direction. This is a guy who played wide receiver at Liberty, two-time Big South Offensive Player of the Year. He turned that into a three-year NFL career with Jacksonville and Carolina. Started his coaching career as a graduate assistant at Michigan in 2016. We can forgive him for that. Wide receiver coach at Cincinnati from 2019 through 2021, part of Cincinnati's college football playoff staff. Got the promotion to passing game coordinator slash wide receiver coach there in 2022. And then he followed Luke Fickle to Wisconsin last year, where he was the assistant head coach and wide receivers coach. So what do you think about Mike Brown as the potential candidate? I think it's uh, it's a little, I don't know what the percentages are, but it is not unanimous by any means in the clubhouse in, in terms of the opinion about Mike Brown. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, based off of just some preliminary kind of research, uh, seeing some responses from, you know, other media people. Um, and I've actually seen some responses from, you know, players too, ex-players. Um, I think the thing that I like about uh, Mike Brown the most is he's a guy that Marcus Freeman trusts. And I think that, that first of all, um, should go a long way. And I think that that's kind of like this trend that we've been seeing as Marcus Freeman is going, not going back, but he's, 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 he's kind of picking out some guys from his time at Cincinnati that he really started to develop some relationships with and is comfortable with, you know, their coaching style. And now he's bringing them in as necessary. So I think it's a great 
higher in that regard. Um, I think you all obviously, you know, want to be able to work um, good or not good, work well uh, with your assistants. And I think Mike Brown, I like the the, the youthfulness uh, of him as well. It's a, another young coach um, and another guy who is, you know, proven in my in my uh, in my what is it not my in my in my opinion just because of look at what he's been able to develop at Cincinnati in terms of he got two wide receivers you know he coached up essentially two NFL wide receivers and I think he did that in a very short amount of time and I think that when he when those players got to Cincinnati they were much more raw than what he might encounter at Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is going to bring in just a little bit better of a talent pool at wide receiver. So if Mike Brown can trade, you know, turn maybe some not lower end recruits, but lower recruits than what Notre Dame is getting at wide receiver into NFL wide receivers, I feel like that he is he is that is a better situation for him at Notre Dame because the pool is going to be more talented. So a lot of just good initial thoughts, I guess, is what I'm getting at. I, I think that it's. I think that it's important as well that after this news was making the rounds on social media last night, you had two of Notre Dame's top wide receiver commits in the in this incoming class, Logan Saldata and Cam Williams, both tweeting their approval of this hire. And I know Williams was definitely recruited by Mike Brown at Wisconsin. So, you know, there's like what does Marcus Freeman set up front? You've got to be a good recruiter, but you also have to be a good developer of talent. And you can argue, I think you can make a case that Brian Kelly and Luke Fickle have each run two of the best developmental programs in the nation over the last. Yeah. Look at all those guys so. that are in the NFL from Cincinnati now. Right. Right. And they weren't getting a bunch of, you know, high four and, and five stars at Cincinnati. And you've already, that he's proven himself with, with Mike Mickens that you have a guy who can both develop and recruit. You've got a guy in Dylan McCullough who can both develop and recruit. I think this relationship goes a long way because I think that, you know, if anything, that's the biggest knock is like, oh, Marcus Freeman's going back and hiring another one of his buddies, you know, because he, he got Gino Gadouli. Yeah, but he's not just hiring any of his buddies. Well. Yeah. You do have to have people that you can trust, and you mentioned that. And when you look at, at what happened with the Chancey Stuckey thing, I'll get to more of this in a little bit because in just a second we're going to have some of Marcus Freeman's comments on Chancey Stuckey. When you look at how all of that blew up, I think it's important to have someone he can trust, someone who he has worked with before, so he has seen day in, day out how he interacts with people. He knows what he is like as a recruiter. He knows what those relationships you know, are, are about and how he handles those relationships. And, you know, that was that was at least from what we have learned, a big part of how this whole thing blew up on Chansey Stuckey. So that is there. The developmental part, I believe, is going to be there based on the track record that Mike Brown has. So overall, I just think that it, it sounds like it's a really good hire. And, you know, let's face it. I know that there are people who say, well, you know, there are better candidates out there and, you know, this and that and everything else. Like these position coaches – like you, you don't become like a rock star position coach overnight, <laughs> you know, right? Like, like there's, there's a lot more to it. And uh, like none of these guys are Marcus Freeman's staff that we have taught. Like Dylan McCullough was not a rock star two years ago. He was, he was a guy who was a position coach in the NFL 
and ended up at Indiana. He wanted to get back into coaching college, and look what he's turned into in two years here at Notre Dame. Like, ditto with Mike Mickens. He's a rising star in the profession. And I, I think that Marcus Freeman, based on everything we know about him, you've got to trust that, you know, like, he's got sound judgment. Because, you know, again, like, the Stucky thing, that wasn't completely his hire. I think we all know that at yeah. this point. I think another thing that – um you know, with Brown, that's also intriguing. Kind of some stuff that I read is at Liberty, he was also kind of a dual threat quarterback and, you know, wide receiver and stuff. And so when you're working with guys who have a lot of athleticism, which it sounds like Mike Brown did, because again, he was a quarterback, a wide receiver, just wherever he could be utilized, that's something that is good to hear as well, because he can help some of these guys that have a ton of raw athleticism transfer or transform into that wide receiver position. And then the last thing I would say is I just like the, the the little details that you see out of, you know, some of Mike Brown's wide receivers. And I think that was what was missing the most with Stucky is the little details, the finer things, you know, how to just the little adjustments here and there. And, you know, a play that comes to mind is when I was kind of looking into Mike Brown is there was a play where Kyle Hamilton got beat into the corner of the end zone uh, by a Cincinnati wide receiver. And during that play, he made, you know, some good adjustments in order to get to the ball. And that's, a, that's, and we're talking about one of the best defenders in the NFL right now. Like Kyle Hamilton has made himself already into one of the best NFL defenders. And so if you can see a guy, you know, a position group like that beat, you know, do something to beat a top caliber NFL defender, that's something you should feel good about. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The regular season is over, but that doesn't mean shopping for tickets has come to an end. Notre Dame still has a big bowl game coming up. It's also holiday season, which means plenty of amazing concerts and shows, and you'll need tickets, especially if you're a last-minute shopper like me. And if you are in need of tickets, game time is the place to go. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The GameTime guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. 
Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. Okay, so the other side of that, Marcus Freeman in that media call with the Sun Bowl today fielded a lot of different questions. And one of the things that he was asked about was Chansey Stuckey and the decision to fire Chansey Stuckey. And here's Marcus Freeman's response to that. I've had a, uh, from the last time we spoke, um, you know, it was uh, 24 hours of, of deep thought and difficult conversations with a lot of players and a lot of coaches, um, you know, regarding our overall performance at wideout. And um, I had to make a difficult decision. And uh, um, I, I am truly, um, you know, just thankful for, for Chansey and everything he's done and given to this program. And, um, um, but we had to move forward, and uh, that's what we were going to do. Had to move forward, not overly revelatory there, Jess. So <laughs> what did you think? Um, I thought that that was the nicest way. That was like the, the Marcus Freeman political cap of putting something that was really nasty about a week ago and making it look like it was, yeah, oh, yeah, we decided it was time to let go. But was there, was, there was much more deeper – intense conversations and what he led on. Um, I think the thing I appreciate the most about this whole situation is that they just, they didn't waste any time. They ripped the bandaid off. They knew it was a problem. They knew what was likely going to come after this, but I think realistically they got ahead. Cause what, what did I talk about? They like, all of these guys are now in the portal. Notre Dame got that out of the way a week ago. They got that, you know, the, the, the position group that was going to see the mass exodus, the wide receivers, they got rid of the wide receiver coach. And again, they knew what the ripple effect was going to be. And I think that they the, the main thing is it, once they got rid of Stucky, they were hoping that could be damage control for a couple of guys. But that turned out to be a little bit too late. And again, I'm just glad that this Band-Aid is ripped off. The worst part of the, the offseason is over now, in my opinion. Um, and I think we're going to get to the fun and exciting stuff of seeing what guys are going to come out of the portal at Notre Dame. But I get if you're going to fire a guy the first day after the season, it is very clear that you guys are not on the same page. Um, there was major issues and going forward in order for your team to be at its you know best, it, it was without him. So I'm just glad that they did it swiftly. Um, and now it's, you know, it's all under the rug. It's over. Yeah, look, there were a lot of criticisms of Brian Kelly. What was one of them that he didn't move fast enough? on stuff like this. And Marcus Freeman showed <laughs> that he's not going to piddle around. <laughs> Guy had two seasons and stuff came to a head and he moved on. And now look, there are a lot of people saying that he fired a scapegoat and kept Parker. Who's the real problem. It's fair to have that opinion because none of us were there daily. So we can't say with hundred percent certainty. What we can say though, is the wide receivers underperformed. We know that right? Like there's no doubt about that. The wide receivers underperformed. We can say with pretty good certainty that during the season, the wide receivers were not coached well enough. We know that it was there for all of us to see. We can also say with certainty that Chancey Stuckey was Tommy Reese's guy. He came 
to Notre Dame through his connection with John McNulty, who of course was was here. And, you know, he was a great recruiter, but we know for certain that he wasn't a good enough developer of the players on the field, like we were talking about, you know, to the off the field stuff, the relationships, how he treated players. We can't say with 100% certainty, again, because we weren't there. We rely on sources and the sources. The thing about sources is as much as, you know, it's, it's good to have them, you get information, they can still have their own agendas and they do, you know, Bill Curry. Longtime college football coach, used to be on the Mike and Mike show all the time. He always used to say there are three sides to every story, yours, mine, and the stone cold truth. And, you know, like, so there's always going to be three sides to all of this. You know, we know the offense had its issues. It started with the development of the receivers, you know, but they still set up a program record for most points, you know, (laughs) basically a modern record for most points scored over the course of the season, you know, so Freeman makes the decision to fire Stuckey. He kept Al Golden last year. A lot of people didn't like that. Look how it turned out. Where would they be if if Marcus Freeman had fired Al Golden last year? So you got to have a little bit of trust, I guess, with the guy at the top. He makes this move. You know, look at, again, like look at the current staff. Dela McCullough, Mike Mickens, probably the two guys who are great at both recruiting and development. He had worked with Mickens before. He hadn't worked with McCullough. They've both worked out, you know. So at the end of the day, this all falls on Marcus Freeman. If it doesn't work out, it falls on him, and it very well could cost him his job. That's what it comes down to. You know, that's what's at stake in all this. For everyone else, it's just, you know, like our enjoyment, watching Notre Dame football, (laughs) and you want him to succeed in all this. But literally, Marcus Freeman's job is on the line with every potential decision that he makes, you know. So we'll see where it We'll see where it all goes. And I think you got to trust that he's uh, made the the decisions that are in everyone's best interest, including his own. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good point, actually. I hadn't thought about it in, in that kind of lens. Is it, <laughs> Marcus Freeman is the head guy. So if there's a problem, it's it's all he's always the common denominator, right? And so Marcus Freeman isn't making this move. He's not making this move as swift as he is, as he is if he doesn't think that it, Stucky was detrimental to himself and more importantly to the to the Notre Dame football team. So I think that's a, a great uh, way to look at it. So another kind of you know on uh, adjacent to this. Freeman was also asked about the departures of Chris Tyree and Rico Flores Jr. and whether he would have liked to see those guys return next year. You know, when 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 guys earn their degree and are seeking uh, more playing time or a different opportunity, I'm supportive of that. You know, I'm always disappointed when a guy leaves without his degree, um, and so that's really the situation with those two. Again, not a whole lot there, but I mean, like. Kind of a shot. Yeah, I mean, he he basically said, you know, if you've got your degree and there's a better opportunity for you, okay, then I'm good with that. If you don't have your degree, you know, that's the one that he's hung up on a little bit. And that was obviously in reference to Rico Flores. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Do you think or do you know, and I don't mean to put you on the spot if you don't. That's okay. Do you think or do you know if Lawrence Keyes got his degree before he transferred out of Notre Dame? Oh, man, that's been too long ago at this because point. Chris Tyree reminds me a lot of Lawrence Keyes. Um, and Lawrence Keyes went on to Tulane and became a really good wide receiver. Played um, for him and, last year. Yeah. And very productive for Pratt. And that that's kind of where I see Chris Tyree. I think Chris Tyree 
needs to go because he he wants to get drafted as an NFL wide receiver, and, mm-hmm. and then that's his path to the NFL. He's got his degree. He's given his time to Notre Dame. Notre Dame didn't utilize him how he should be because he could be a he could be a premier wide receiver in my opinion. He could be a but slot t- wide receiver that plays are designed around at other universities, and other universities would be very happy to have. So I get that. But if you're Don't Rico you- Flores, it's just like, come on, man. It, it, you were here for six months. Again, there was a Chansey Stucky camp. There was a non Chansey Stucky <laughs> camp. You know, I think read into that what you will in terms of Rico Flores and the fact that Rico Flores was their leading wide receiver as a freshman this year. You know, with Chris Tyree, in terms of his NFL future, what makes him so valuable is his versatility because he's got the return skills as well. He's definitely got speed. He's got running back in his background. Like, he's not going to be Christian McCaffrey, but couldn't you see him plugging into the San Francisco offense and just doing a million different things for the 40? I mean, he's going to be a wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. I shudder to think about, yeah, the Detroit Lions too. They talk about positionless foot. That's, That's a great one right there. Like, between like what they got with Jameer Gibbs and like you plug a Chris Tyree into something like that. You got Saint Brown on That'd the outside. Yep. I think, yep. yeah, he, he's going to find his way. Like, the, like, I guess what I'm getting at is Chris Tyree is going to find a place that is going to appreciate and love him some more. And I, I don't think, I think we all want that in life is people who appreciate and love us for all that we can give. And I think it's going to help him because it's, again, I think he's going to end up being, he's going to make a training camp and he's going to end up playing in the NFL. Yeah, um, I'm not going to go too far on this, but Jonah, again, unless you were in the room, how do you know any of what you're talking about right now? I don't think it is. It, it It's far more than just one guy. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. And we were talking. He was talking about uh, Stucky saying Stucky did nothing wrong again. None of us were in the room and we just have, you know, the information that we've got in front of us to go on. But since we weren't in the room, look, it's bygones at this point. What's done is done. And a, again, I don't, I think it had far more to do with just one guy. I mean, a, a guy, a wide receiver medically retired before the season even started. So, you know, kind of look, look into that how much you want. Right. I can tell you this. There's at least one guy who probably was going to leave if Stucky had stayed, who is still on the team right now. So, yep. again, take that for what you will. Oh, and by the way, Freeman did say that K.K. Smith, the other freshman who came to Notre Dame, he had a shoulder injury when he got to Notre Dame and really wasn't able to do much of anything all season long. He uh, he is practicing, and he's going to be available for the bowl and Dion Colsey who played in Notre Dame's first four games of the season and then didn't play the last eight with a knee injury. He's going to be available as well. So that's good news. So you get, you get both of those guys back. So at least, at least the depth. And of course you got Matt Salerno back. You hope that Jaden Thomas's hamstring is finally healthy. So there's going to be some numbers out there. Be curious to see what they're able to do with some of that in this poll game. I know a lot of people are going to make fun of me. I didn't realize El Paso was like in a tri-state area. You're on the border of like a different country and you're on the border of. That's, that's not really tri-state. It's like duo Delta. state. 
slash yeah like it's it's down there that's right down by old warren what's cool though is kk smith is from texas so yeah a little homecoming party right get some action maybe maybe the family will uh make the trip out there so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. again cool to see another a guy that we haven't really seen much from and, and now it's like the perfect opportunity to say hey you know what do you got what do you got going here yeah, DK, Colsey's going to prove our preseason predictions right, getting 500 in the bowl. He's going to go nuts. He's going to go nuts in the bowl. That's right. <laughs> okay, fill in the blank on this one. Florida State getting left out of the playoffs is blank. Florida State getting left out of the playoffs is absolutely ridiculous. My final four, if I was the selection committee, would have been as followed. Number one, Michigan. Number two, Washington. Number three, Florida State. Number four, Texas. That would have been my final four. I got plenty of examples to back it up. I'll give you two just to be quick. If this was, and I think I was ready for you to break out. Actually, you know, I got I got three examples, okay. and I'll start with the first one. Ohio State won a national championship with twelve gauge Cardell Jones as the quarterback. That was a third string quarterback. No one saw that coming. Um, my True. second example would be if Alabama, if roles were reversed and this was an Alabama team, would they be left out of the playoff? The answer would be absolutely no. Uh, my third example would be the Philadelphia Eagles won a Super Bowl uh, with backup quarterbacks. Do you think that the Eagles should have just been discontinued from the Super Bowl? No playoffs. That's right. Just because yep. you know what I mean? They they should have been not allowed into the playoffs, and even when they were winning playoff games, they oh, we're not going to let you go to the Super Bowl because, you know, that's the Patriots and that's Tom Brady. And we know what he is and we know how much better they are than you. I mean, come on. I, I could go into more examples, but those are those are just the three that are that I, I had. Frank Reich. Already. Frank Reich led the comeback, the greatest comeback in playoff history. Bills over the Oilers. And I believe it was the 93 playoffs when Jim Kelly was hurt in the second half. I mean, they didn't just stop the game because the backup quarterback was in there and uh, you know like Caleb Williams safe space thanks for the super chat said if Florida State and Clemson switched seasons this year Clemson was 13 and 0 but lost their quarterback would they have been gotten left would they have still gotten in based off recent history I and this was I was going to bring this up as as you know part of what I was going to say I absolutely don't think this so much of this has to do with reputation and the fact that Florida State hasn't been in this situation in re, you know, definitely in the playoff version of this, you know, the last time they were in the playoff was the first year coming, you know, like first year of the playoff coming off their BCS championship. I don't think Clemson would have been left off because so much of this has to do with recency bias and history. Even though these committees are trying to tell you that it doesn't have anything to do with it, I just don't buy it. And I don't think Clemson would have got left out. I don't think Alabama would have got left out. I don't think Georgia would have been left out in this same situation. You can go on and on down the list, and it's just ridiculous. Unfortunately, I'm not surprised, but it's just the, the, there's there's an old reggae song. The system is a fraud, and that's what like this 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 system is a fraud. You know they they they're putting these humans in here as if these people like some of them pay close attention to football. <laughs> some of them don't, and it's on you this know, they point. Just did show you up listen for the party to the, on Saturdays? The Washington or sorry, the Mike Le- Leach. Uh, comment when he was at Washington State. Have you seen that yes. one floating around? Yes. Should bring, I wish we had that one queued up. He's like, we got a committee because this country loves committees. <laughs> right. 
And we're, and we're asking this committee to make the decision about the best four teams, yet none of these committee members know or follow football, as intense as, you know, the rest of us. So, like you said, it's just – it's ridiculous, and I've said it from the start. You can't punish a team for what you think is going to happen. You can only reward them for what they have done. Florida State went 13-0. They're a Power 5 conference champion. They had harder out of – uh, conference schedules than most of the SEC. They beat a common opponent in Louisville without their quarterback well, better than some of with those their teams. Third string did. quarterback. That's right. It's, like come the on. SEC's the SEC's best out of conference win this season was when Kentucky beat Louisville at the end of the regular season, and then Florida State turns around and beats that same Louisville team with their third string freshman quarterback. Like by how, a better margin. Right. Right. <laughs> and after Alabama just struggled to beat Auburn after, you know, it's just like, come on. If Florida state is so bad without Jordan Travis, then why were they still ranked fifth in the playoff rankings when it was all said and done? Oh, like, you know what? Someone, a good point I saw today was too. I'm glad that you said that. <laughs> this just means that Jordan Travis has to win the Heisman, right? <laughs> I guess so. If he's that valuable, if he's that valuable, and you, your, your justification is you can't let a team in because of quarterback play. Yet that quarterback guided them to what, like an eleven and a half record, twelve and zero record. Right. Then he's got to be the Heisman because he means that much. That team is that yeah. bad without him. He's got to win the Heisman. Absolutely. I thought that was great. I thought I, when I saw that, I was like, I got to save that one for later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And. You know, in one breath, you've got Boo Corrigan, the committee chair, saying, well, Florida State's winning didn't matter. And then in the next breath, he's saying that Liberty, well, they just kept on winning. You know, and so even though they played no power five teams, it warrants New Year's six inclusion, you know, and just, you know, just about everything else has been said on this. And I'll just I'll just leave it at this. Boo Corrigan, as some people know, he grew up here in South Bend. Gene Corrigan's son went to St. Joseph High School. He's a Notre Dame graduate. He's the athletic director at NC State. He was an associate athletic director under Kevin White uh, before he became the athletic director at Army. The most significant coaching hire, other than Jeff Munkin at Army, that he probably had to make, you know, when when he was he was the 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 baseball, he was assigned to baseball when he was an associate athletic director here at Notre <laughs> Dame. And so when Paul Maneri leaves for LSU in 2006, who's in charge of the search process to find the replacement for Paul Maneri? It's Boo Corgan. And he takes a big swing. He goes after Pat Casey, who was at the time the defending national champion at Oregon State, devout Catholic, all that stuff. They take a swing. Pat Casey stays at Oregon State, wins a couple more national championships, ultimately. So who do they go from? From Pat Casey, they go to Dave Schrag, who generally regarded as a really good guy, Dave Schrag. But the record shows in three-plus decades as a Division I college baseball coach, he is sub-500. Or I think maybe he might have been a little over 500 the course of his career, one NCAA tournament. But that's where they went from from that to that. And really started the downfall of Notre Dame baseball over the next, what, 16, 15, 16 years until it was resuscitated by Link Jarrett 
a couple of years ago. And that was that was Boo Corrigan's hire. And, you know, I've talked about this before, how Dave Schrag had an assistant coach on his staff who was sent out to go recruit a guy at uh, at an event in the summer at a baseball showcase. He was given the guy's name, said, you know, go look at this guy, sign him, you know, if he's good. So he goes and looks at this guy. We'll call him Joe Smith. So he goes and he sees a guy named Joe Smith. But as it turned out, it wasn't the Joe Smith that he was supposed to see. But he signed the guy. <laughs> and they didn't find out that it was the wrong Joe Smith until the wrong Joe Smith showed up on campus to go to class in the fall. And they're like, well, you're not Joe Smith. Yeah, I'm Joe Smith. He signed the wrong guy on Dave Schrag's watch. And that was a Boo Corrigan hire. That's who Boo Corrigan hired to replace Paul Maneri at Notre Dame. So don't tell me that I'm supposed to trust anything that Boo Corrigan says or does when it comes to anything. The guy is where he is because of the name that he's got, the last name that he's got. His brother's a hell of a lacrosse coach, and he proved that by winning a national championship last year. But don't tell me anything about what Boo Corrigan is supposed to know about anything. So after Friday's Pac-12 championship game, Robert Griffin III tweeted, quote, if we're being real, both Washington and Oregon should be in the playoff, end quote. Do you buy it or sell it? <laughs> I sell that. I I, I think RG three these days, he he's just joined the hot take stuff. He just wants he wants people to talk about him. I mean, this is the guy who was still trying to you know make a case that he could be the the quarterback for the Browns. He could be the quarterback for the Jets, and you know all of these things. There's nothing that proved to me that Oregon. You can't lose to the same team twice and say that you deserve to be in the playoff unless unless. I might give this convert this comment more credit if Washington somehow goes on to win the national championship, right? Like that's the only way, in my opinion, um, that this comment becomes relevant. But I, again, I just I, I'm getting real sick and tired of RG three and Emmanuel Acho <laughs> and those kind of guys because it just feels like they just say stupid, like they say more stupid stuff than actual intelligent stuff. Recently, right. it's just like, what do you what are you actually doing? Is this fake or real? You know, because your job. And my opinion is to be an honest and true analyst. And so when you say stuff like this, I don't even know if I can trust what you're saying about the other things anymore. So I, I just I'm I'm not buying it at all. Is it pure stupidity or is it just like we're 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 having takes for the sake of having takes? I mean, <laughs> the same teams played twice and the same team won both times. And I'm sorry, that's what these game that's part of what these games are supposed to be for, too. You know, one, to make money for the conferences, but two, to eliminate somebody. And I'm sorry, you, like Oregon was a good team, but if they couldn't even split with Washington, then no, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. They lost to Washington both times. They both ended up being closed games, but it's just, it's just, you're not a serious person if like you're putting this out there in the world. It's like, you said, like how can I take anything you say seriously if this is what you're putting out there? Robert Griffin. I'm sorry. I just, I can't take it. Side note. Have you listened to, I, I, I doubt you have, but we watch um, Browns games a lot in this household because I'm sure you do. Um, Naomi, Naomi likes to stay relevant because she works with a lot of, you know, older age men um, and a lot of her customers talk about football. So she likes to stay in the now. Um, 
and she's actually having some customers come in for the Browns and uh, Bears game in the next couple of weeks. But anyways, Mark Sanchez has been doing some NFL games recently, and I don't know if you've caught any of that, but he is just <laughs> – some of the times I'm like – I'm listening to you, Mr. Butt Fumble. Like you are criticizing quarterbacks <laughs> about bad turnovers and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like this is who I'm listening to right now. But right. he has been bad in the booth, and that's all I was getting at. But it, it it comes back to the like, I this is who I'm listening to about certain things. Mark Sanchez talking about bad quarterback play in the right. NFL. <laughs> what and like three weeks ago, Robert Griffin the third was you know like promoting himself to be the Jets excuse me, next quarterback. <laughs> and yeah, there's, I will there, say there's DK, a lack of, there's a lack of quality representation, I think in the booth when it comes to solid takes. Yes. Uh, DK, I will, I will give you that. Mark Sanchez's flow is, it, it might be better than when he was in his prime. It is. <laughs> he kind of looks like, uh, in my opinion, he looks like Vinny Chase off of Entourage. Kind of, You know who's good? You know who's really good that, like, I wasn't sure how it was going to go is Matt Ryan. Yeah. I don't know how much Matt Ryan you've seen. I think I caught one Matt Ryan game. For a guy coming straight off the field and into the booth, and, like, he's stuck with, um, I think he said Andrew Catalan, like, solid play-by-play guy, and Tiki Barber, I like it was (laughs) Tiki Barber. It's a a three-man booth. Yeah, I mean, it's Tiki's not bad. Tiki's career hasn't gone the way that I thought it would when he left the Giants several <laughs> years ago. I th- like I think he thought that he was going to be a star by now. And I mean, he's got he's got jobs, he's got national jobs. There's nothing wrong with that. But my point is, Matt Ryan's been really, really good, and I'm surprised that like he hasn't had an opportunity maybe to go to a higher booth. Maybe he didn't get that opportunity because he was still kind of one foot in, one foot out in terms of playing. If another opportunity had come up so they didn't right. want to give him too big a booth but i'd be surprised if he's not in a higher booth next year it was funny because <laughs> the entire time sanchez and i can't remember who he does the game with but the entire time the guy who was doing the game with had to refrain from saying these old quarterbacks because it was matt stafford and joe <laughs> flacco because sanchez came in the same year stafford came in and so and i'm pr- I'm pretty sure it was very similar years to Flacco as well. And so every time you'd say, oh, these old quarterbacks, he'd be like, oh, well, just kidding, because that means I'm calling Mark old. <laughs> but, and <laughs> you know who got some criticism last week because he filled in for Chris Collinsworth is our old buddy, the ginger, yeah, Jason, Jason Garrett, Garrett, baby. He got in an NFL booth with a little bit more exposure. And I heard Bill Simmons, you know, ripping him last week and like, I actually thought Jason, he wasn't as bad as what he did in the Notre Dame games. He's <laughs> there's just and I think Simmons said this. He brought up a great. It's just like all these cliches. Like he doesn't he doesn't give you succinct, true analysis. It's just a bunch of you know. Oh, well, if they you know, it's just it's just a bunch of cliches that he's out there spewing because I think he got so used to, you know, generic coaches speak when he was the head coach of the Cowboys and he never really said anything in front of the microphones. And that's really who he is as a broadcaster so far as well. He's not, he's not giving you any true analysis. He's just kind of giving you, you know, these little one lines, nothing, nothing deep. Michael Hahn really enjoyed your, uh, the ginger, but that that's deep rooted from a caller that always calls into Dan Patrick's show when uh, (laughs) Jason Garrett was 
the head coach, and he would just Shane rant Irving. and rant Shane and Irving rant and rant and rant. And all he would he wouldn't even call Jason Garrett by name. It was just the ginger with a lot of other explicitives kind of following her mm-hmm. <laughs> coming before. <laughs> mm-hmm. So here's what a 12 team college football playoff format would have looked like this year. Maybe we should have done a chart on this and put it up on the screen, but it would have been number eight, Oregon versus number nine, Missouri with the winner to play number one, Michigan, number five, Florida state versus number 12, Liberty, the winner to take on number four, Alabama. Number seven, Ohio State versus number 10, Penn State. So you'd get a Big Ten rematch there. The winner against number two, Washington. And then number six, Georgia against number 11, Ole Miss, with the winner against number three, Texas. Scale of one to 10, how much does that get you excited for the 12-team playoff? That gets me really excited because I feel like all of our, uh, you know, issues and complaints are answered. And I feel like, you know, I I think that the, the, the counter argument would be, well, we're just going to want to see more teams and more teams and more teams. And we want we're going to want more expansion, more expansion. I don't think so. I think it, it comes to a point where I think that is a good number because you are you're drawing the line of where the good teams are in college football. And I think you could become more oversaturated by, you know, potential expansion. I think that playoff and the number that they are willing that they are going to settle on is just the right amount to have the best pool of college programs playing, but also allowing for the Florida States, the Liberties, the question marks to be able to play out. And so there's no more question marks. There's no more, you know, judgment calls or, you know, essentially, again, ambiguity of who should be let in and who shouldn't be. And so I think that this is, again, the, the perfect number to draw the line in the sand and say we feel really good about this group of teams of being the representation of the best you know, college football that's being played in the country. Now let's let them settle it out um, and determine if we might have made a mistake of you know potentially ranking a team too high, too low, not giving them enough credit, too much credit. Um, I think it's going to be the perfect, the perfect cocktail of teams playing. The only thing I don't like about this, and there's nothing you can do about it because it's the teams that happen to be ranked. You know, I'm just talking about from a pure, like, fun slash excitement standpoint. All those first round games, of course, are going to be played on campus sites. So, like, for example, you got Ohio State versus Penn State, two cold weather teams playing against each other. Like, you don't have Ohio State versus Ole Miss, for example, where, like, maybe Ohio State would have would have been hosting a Southern team, get them up there in that cold weather, maybe a little snow falling and, and that kind of stuff. That's, that's part of what I want to see is some of these Southern teams having to travel North a little bit. So like that would make it fun as well. I'm still like a solid eight, nine on this because I love the fact that all these games are going to matter. And it's, it's just going to make it to me, it's going to make it so much more interesting than what it is. And like, you're still going to have some discussions and, and debates with, Who's the 12 team? Who's the 13, 14? You know, like the, you know, the the, the debate is just going to slide from four, five, six, you know, down to 11, 12, 13, 14, and, and who's getting in and who's not with the cutoff and all that different kind of stuff. But like Keith Wigan says, Penn State is no way a top 10 team. I mean, that's, this is like Penn State, like over the last 10 years, Penn State would have been the most common, um, you know, at large team in a 12 team field because they lose, 
you know, like they beat Michigan a couple of different times, but they lose to Michigan and Ohio State every year. And so they've got two quality losses. Those are their only losses. And they're going to be sitting there right in that range. Oh, Penn State disgusting. is most likely going to be consistently in. And you remember like the whole thing when the Big Ten, they did that, like they let the individual schools decide which which of the rivalry games do you want to keep going forward you know, with the expansion and when we, you know, redo the schedules and all that stuff, Penn State didn't want any permanent opponents. And so what that means, like, who can blame them? Because now they're not going to have Penn State and Ohio State on their schedule every year. So they're probably going to end up with an even higher ranking going yep. forward because of that. Now they're going to, you know, they're going to get, you know, USC and Oregon, Washington, you know, those are going to be part of the mix as well. But Penn State's going to be in there. Penn State's going to be a Pretty consistent. Bring up that Irish Steel 63 comment. Not the last one, the one above it. The Big Ten comment? Yes. This one? Yes. The Big Ten actually sucks. <laughs> Scream it from your rooftops, baby. Penn State is consistent. Penn State would have consistently got in every year, and Penn State consistently would have been the first team out every year. Penn State and the rest of the Big Ten West and everyone not named. Ohio State and Michigan, fraudulent, garbage. The Big Ten as a, as a whole is a joke outside of two programs, and you can maybe say two and a half, three, depending on what year it is between Penn State and Michigan State if they if they want to show up again. But Penn, Big Ten sucks, in my opinion. It's crappy football. <laughs> it's overrated. And Michigan gets Michigan and Ohio State get rewarded for playing no one tough. There's consistently been three good teams in the whole conference. Right. Yeah. Well, and that even consists, I guess, Michigan State in place of Michigan there for a while. You know, now Michigan has taken Michigan State's place. Michigan State has fallen off. Penn State has always been and also ran kind of, again, sitting in that you know, number three, number two, number three spot consistently behind Ohio State. But we're probably going to end up eating our words, you know, because so are you saying that are you calling a Michigan loss to Alabama right now? Is that what you're winning at all? Uh, I'm not going to be surprised at all if Alabama does. We've been sitting here <laughs> talking about a down year for Alabama, all this crappy quarterbacks, you know, for half the season. And look at where Alabama is right now. Just because the devil Nick Saban, you know, he he, he willed them into that spot. And there they are. They're back in the mix again. So I, Listen, I'm not going to be when, shocked at all. If when does Bama perform it's, its best when you bet against them, when yeah. they're the underdog? And I made good be... money on Alabama winning that SEC championship. I knew it was coming. My money knew it was coming. You don't bet on Nick Saban as an underdog yep. when he needs it the most. And that's, you know, again, with this 12-team format, like they're going to be right in that mix as long as Nick Saban is there every Listen, year. They don't even have to be a top-four team anymore. The Big Ten West, since the conference realignment, when they split to East and West divisions, 0-10 in the yeah. Big Ten championship. That's yeah. all you need to know about the Big Ten. And the I Big couldn't Ten believe West. those boobs on game day that actually picked Iowa to win. Like That was, that was a joke. I, they were they had to be trolling. They had to be We're trolling. supposed to take you seriously when you're, when you're literally <laughs> picking Iowa to beat Michigan on national TV? Come on. We can't take that seriously. <laughs> Give me a break. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. 
Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Fill in the blank. What happened to Florida State makes you feel blank about Notre Dame ever being in a conference. <laughs> this is uh this is I said this to someone the other day. I was like, Notre Dame being in a conference is like the, the case for Notre Dame being in a conference is even more irrelevant now because what did a conference do for Florida State in this yeah. situation? They did everything that they were supposed to. They were a power five, they were in a power five conference, they won a power five conference championship, they they scheduled two tough out of conference opponents, they did everything you're supposed to, and it didn't do anything for them. So if I'm Notre Dame. I say, screw you guys. I'm taking my money because this was a part of the other conversation that we had is all this conference realignment is just for the money. And that's that's all it is. And so if Notre Dame's getting its money without being in the conference and they're on a, a national television, you know, coast to coast six times a year, guaranteed, they're going to do it every time. And so what I'll say about this is there's universities who need a conference. And there's universities that have proven that they don't need a conference. And Notre Dame has done that. It's about the money. Notre Dame's got its money elsewhere, and they don't need a conference to pay its bills. Yeah. Everyone who's in a conference has been screaming at Notre Dame that they need to be in a conference. You need to play in these conference championship games. You're hurting yourself by not being in the conference because of blah, 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 blah. And as I have said all along, what problem does Notre Dame being in a conference solve? It solves no problems. It solves no problems at all. Because if Notre Dame is 12-0 and 0 next year, they're not missing the play. I mean, they're definitely not missing the playoff at 12-0 and 0 in a 12-team format. They were not going to miss the playoff 12-0 and 0 if they, you know, in a four-team format. They were not going to miss it. And being in a conference solves no problems for anybody. Notre Dame's got their own TV contract. They've got access to the playoff. They don't need to be in the conference, and they never need to be in a conference. The only problem it solves is like for the people who still aren't happy. It's like, oh, we got to play Wake Forest, and we got to play Boston College and these crappy ACC teams. Would you rather see them play them and win ninety nine percent of the time, or would you rather see them? Yeah, play hell, Michigan a tougher regular season and have a chance rewarded. of losing more and maybe missing out on the playoff yeah. as a result. Get in the like, get into the playoff, and then your loss comes in the playoff if you if if you happen to lose or you've got a chance to win a national championship. They've got a better chance at winning a national championship, staying independent and doing exactly what they're doing right now. I mean, Notre Dame stuck its neck out to get two programs into the ACC, help the ACC out. And what did the ACC do come bowl yeah. time? They, they the were way, selfish. They didn't do any – the ACC did nothing to help Notre Dame in this bowl selection. They no. knew – that where that that Notre Dame wants oh that you know if we put an actual affiliated team in there they're going to make us the money but Notre Dame does so much more outside of you know being in the ACC for football yet they don't give a crap they Notre don't Dame give props a, their give Notre Dame props the ACC's TV contract up and you know like literally if it wasn't for Notre Dame there wouldn't be an ACC network and don't forget like we we didn't even mention this when we were talking about the Florida State thing. But the ACC killed itself with this whole stupid alliance a couple of years back. You remember, like, they got so upset and there was this alliance with the Pac-12 and 
in the Big Ten. And in the end, the Big Ten did an end around and expanded by bringing in USC and UCLA. And, you know, they were supposed to be helping each other out. And they voted they voted not to expand the college like the college football playoff a year early. This could have been the first year of the 12 team format, but those three voted not to let that happen. And so as a result, Florida state sitting on the outside, looking in, if they hadn't formed that, that silly Alliance and, you know, tried to do whatever they were supposed to do with it, then you'd have a 12 team playoff this year and Florida state would be in and look at where it got everybody. It got Florida state out of the playoff and the Pac-12 just played its last game Friday night, Washington and Oregon in the conference championship game. So let me uh I want to flip a little did. Florida State, the last Florida State comments on you. And I, I think we'll be we'd be done here. But my question to you, if Florida State beats two-time defending champ Georgia, 29 straight win Georgia before Alabama in the SEC championship game and improved to 14 and 0. You know, you're going to have to start over. You're going to have to start over. Like I, I meant, like that's a lot of information. Okay. If, so start over. Okay. If Florida state beats Georgia, the two time defending national champ, a team that just played in the SEC championship and had 29 mm-hmm. straight wins and they improved to 14 and 0, are you planting your flag in the ground as the national champion? Are you claiming the national championship? If, if UCF can State. do it, if UCF can do it, I'm doing it if I'm Florida State. <laughs> Hell yeah. No doubt. I think no you doubt. have to. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Someone said, oh, if FCB destroyed your Texas and win Oh, my gosh. I, I will give you your royalties, Bryce. I'm sorry. I did not see that you did just you steal? mentioned Did that. you cherry pick someone's comments from earlier? <laughs> I guess I did. Grab I guess Bryce's I did. Stuff. But I mean, 14 and 0, baby, and I'm beating the two time defending champ. I'm putting my flag in the ground. We're the champions. TD4ND says, dumb question. Will conference contracts with TV networks influence bowl selections in the future? Do they influence it now? I mean, I doubt there's much influence. Otherwise, Notre Dame would probably have been playing in one of the other bowls because most of them are on ESPN. And the Sun Bowl, for example, is CBS. It's one of the few bowl games that CBS gets. So I doubt that there's much influence now. I wouldn't think that there'll be much influence going forward because, like, you know, they the college football playoff is still potentially looking at, you know, the, the, the TV contract is going to be coming up. And is everything going to stay with Disney slash ESPN or will they parse it out? You know, like there's been talks that like Amazon could get involved with some of the first round games. And there's been talks before about Fox getting in on it. And I do think that Fox should be in on it because they're doing a better job, you know, in in the last few years with, with the broadcasting of football. I think that, that they, I would not, I, I wouldn't object to, altering every other year, just like the Super Bowl rotates around networks, you know, like rotating back and forth between Fox and, and ESPN doing the championship, you know, and or semifinals. They've obviously got to pay the money to do that. They're not just going to give it to them. But, but the answer to that question is no, I don't think that the Bulls right now have any influence over that. Paul, thanks for the super chat. Tyler Buckner coming back for lacrosse football walk-on if you're Marcus Freeman. Um, my short answer is no. I think that ship has sailed. Tyler Buckner 
had his opportunity. He decided to go to Alabama, and that's not the route that I would go if I were Marcus Freeman. Really sad situation. Yeah, especially considering the direction, you know, that it sounds like they're going to be going and what they're doing with quarterback going forward. I will Tyler Buckner could have been the starting quarterback next year potentially. Yeah. I think if Tyler Buckner stays, he has a 50-50 shot at being the starting quarterback next season. Um, it's really unfortunate that Tommy Reese convinced him to go to Alabama because I think it ultimately ended his college football career. Um, and I'll leave that at that. But hypothetically, one fun thing to see would be a Riley Leonard and Tyler Buckner, like a little package, you know, like a like a like t- Tyler Buckner is kind of like your leading back or like it, maybe it's a wildcat where you don't even know who's getting the ball. Like that would be kind of fun to watch. I would say the only way I see Tyler Buckner playing again is if he's like a like a H back or like a, a tight end or something. I don't I, I think his days of being a college quarterback are done. But I think if, if he truly, do it. that's what I mean. And he's got the body and frame to do it. So I think if he really, really, really wanted to play football, his role on the team would be like a tight end. And uh, and that again, that would be all assuming that Marcus Freeman would want him back on the team or that he yeah. would have a role that would fit on the team. Yeah. Again, I just – I don't see it. I but I think him it. coming back to Notre Dame for lacrosse ultimately shows his regret. And I think he 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 loved his time at Notre Dame. Yeah, for sure. Former James Madison head coach Kurt Signetti was introduced as the new head coach at Indiana over the weekend. He addressed the IU faithful at a basketball game and said, Purdue sucks. So does Michigan and Ohio State. <laughs> so rate his introduction on a scale of one to ten. Uh, his introduction is a ten out of ten. His uh, willingness to take an IU football job is a two out of ten. I think he should have waited a little bit. <laughs> I think there were better positions to be in, and I think Indiana football is a tough coaching position to be tough in. Tough road. Tough road. Tough especially, road. Especially with the conference expanding now. I think Man. he could have done himself some favors by maybe seeing what other jobs were out there. But yeah. to each their own, he took his opportunity. I mean, if I'm being honest, the Big 12 is the place to be right now. Yeah. Like, I, I know that. You know, like the the Houston job, I think just got filled, and you know, but I just that would have been the way to go, I think. But you know, this is a ten out of ten to me because if you're a political candidate, you kiss babies, you know, on the campaign trail, <laughs> and you pander to your base as much as possible. And this is what a college football coach does: you pander to your base. And you know, Signetti was out there; he spoke the language of the Hoosiers, and he didn't even have to, you know, do a fake accent to do it. So. I thought it was great. He had a lot of fun with it. And of course, the IU people went nuts. All he had to do was say produce. Great sucks. fan base. That's right. That's right. He got them all lathered up and and ready to go down there. So good luck to him, man. Because again, that is <laughs> that is not an easy place. That is not an easy place to win football games. How about uh good old Chuck Martin beating out Toledo for his second Mac championship this past weekend? Yeah. Is he gonna be? A candidate. I now. think so. I think his name is going to start popping up a little bit more. But yep, we're almost done. I told I told DK. Good thing DK was, stuck around. I know. Told DK we we're going to be here for a while in rapid fire. Fill in the blank. 49ers pounding the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> in Philly is blank. It's just the beginning. Dallas is next. You're coming to Jerry World. You got Dak hot right now. Dak for MVP. They're gonna. They're, it's gonna be worse with the Cowboys. They're gonna do to the Eagles. They're gonna wish they never came to Dallas. 
Uh, okay. That's one way to look at it. Um, I just think that it's a sign that the 49ers are, are probably going to end up winning the NFC. And honestly, it shows the difference between <laughs> the 49ers and the rest of the NFC. Yeah. When the 49ers are healthy, it's, it's them. And I mean, one of these two teams are probably winning the Super Bowl, and maybe get maybe this gives the 49ers a chance to host the NFC Championship game. But it was it was pretty impressive with what they were able to do. And you're I mean, right, we can... got we got Eagles, we got Eagles Cowboys Part Two coming up this weekend. I'm more excited for it now that I was a couple of weeks ago. I didn't. I had to record the game and watch the the end of it. You know what was the most impressive part, in my opinion, is the 49ers actually absolutely came into Philadelphia's home and and beat the crap out of them. They embarrassed them yep. at home. And Philly's a good team at home. Um, and for everyone that doubted, um, you know, the 49ers when Trent Williams and Debo Samuel were hurt, I think this shows the importance of having one Debo Samuel back on offense. He's a yak god. I don't think I've ever seen someone get more yards after catch. Than Debo Samuel, it elevates Brock Purdy's game tremendously. It makes high. We lost you there. You're uh, I don't I don't know if you can hear me, but we can't hear you. But that that little stunt you did with your microphone like uh, cost you some air quality there. I'm back. Okay, maybe I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> I just think the 49ers are a juggernaut, and I think if you're anyone else in the NFC. I, really, in the NFL, you should be afraid. I don't know if I've seen anyone in the AFC either that yep. really stacks up with them as well. Yep. DK, I think DK is still in the house. He is. He says Lions-Browns Super Bowl. DK, again, you were concerned that we started rapid fire too early. We have just gone almost a full hour with rapid fire <laughs> alone. So I think everyone was happy my mic went out. I'm back. I felt, like, I felt like we delivered with some quality rapid fire tonight um anthony says that signetti was a great hire for iu i don't doubt that like yeah he's, he's good great for, for iu i don't know that iu is great <laughs> for him because it's just such a tough place to play that's what it comes down to for me and uh andre can't wait till january to see the new players on campus who do you want to see i want to see a lot of them on campus actually but Car, give me some wide car receivers, action. wide receivers, and car probably at the top of the list right now. <laughs> oh, oh, DK throwing this back at us. Brian and Sean go six hours. Come on, <laughs> we're just talking about rapid fire. This is probably a record for rapid fire, a full hour tonight, a non Friday rapid fire show. Rapid fire went an hour tonight because we had such good stuff. So Appreciate you being here tonight. Fun as always. Just Jesse, enjoy it. <laughs> Let's just end with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's all you fans when we start talking about the Cowboys. That's going to be Sirianni again this week. It's rivalry rivalry week, baby. Sorry you don't have a, a rivalry to get fired up like I do. Oh, Tommy Gunn's chiming back in. Are we even capable of a BD slash SD type show? Come on, man. That's just not fair. That's... <sighs> Congratulations on winning a state championship. I guess. Whatever. Hit the like button on your way out. Subscribe, rate, and review. And we'll talk to you later on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. <laughs>